What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind-blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I want to talk about cancel culture today. Adria wrote in and asked a question, and you can just kind of feel the weight of it as she's asking this. She has an adult child, and it sounds like is in the category of being estranged from that adult child. And the real question is, how do we think about cancel culture as Christians, and in particular, when an adult child estranges you? Uh, labels you as toxic and unhealthy, refuses to allow their kids to interact with you, or they they themselves refuse to interact with you. That's what we're getting at. You know, our, our culture is one that often sees you as being the problem. And instead of openly communicating and clarifying where there may be points of disagreement, we tend to just be done with you. And I am saying we too. When I say our culture, I don't only mean secular culture because there are churches that will do the same thing. You know, you are, you're blacklisted and you are the one that can't be spoken to. And yet none of us have really gone to you and talked about what happened. We just are going to cancel you. And this in relationships with our kids, it starts to look like either a distancing or a full-blown you are cut out of the life of your adult child. And usually you're let know, like it doesn't just surprise you. You're, you're told, you're text, you're emailed and texting and emailing to do this is even more painful, it seems, because there's no ability to dialogue on what's taking place. Then usually what takes place is as an adult child, you are preventing grandparents from seeing your kids. So the grandparents don't have access to the kids, and that means usually the kids are younger. Think like 13 and younger, somewhere in that age, because as you get older, the kids have their own cell phones and the kids have their own cars, and the grandkids can start to kind of make their own decisions on whether they want to see grandma and grandpa. When they're younger, they often are just doing whatever the parents want them to do and going where the parents want them to go. So usually, who is it that's losing access to? It's not just any of the grandkids, it's the young ones. Which stinks too, because the babies, the toddler phase, the infants, you know, those are such a sweet moment for grandparents, especially grandmothers. So to be missing out on that is, it's painful. That weight is painful. So you get no time together, birthdays, no more, Thanksgivings, no more. And here is, here's the hard thing to shake. You are, you're attacked at the level of character. And when we attack character, it is often a broad sweeping statement made about who you are. So you will hear things like, you are toxic. You're a toxic person. Well, I mean, uh, what does that mean practically? And how are we being toxic? I'm not here to defend every parent in the history of the universe and say none of them do things that are unhelpful. I'm not here to say that. But whenever we use broad, sweeping character accusations, it's often unhelpful. I had a 
a lieutenant that I worked with. He was a Burbank lieutenant. And when I was early on in counseling ministry, I did a lot of shadowing with him. He was the director of counseling at our church. And he he would use a phrase, and I thought it was a really helpful way to understand when our character is attacked. It's like someone takes tar and they dump it on you because you just can't get that off. There's no defending yourself. There's no, there's no ability to say, I didn't do that because you're not telling me I did something. You're telling me this is who I am. This is a character trait. So it's almost like this indefensible position. I, I can't even combat you calling me toxic because it's such a broad sweeping accusation. So where does this come from? Have you ever wondered why does that happen and and where does some of this build? Let me offer you a couple of reasons this takes place. One comes from our own understanding of ourselves. And if you've ever heard the idea of romanticism, romanticism was, it it was embodied primarily by Jean-Jacques Rousseau. And he is the individual that started to say, look, we got to be true to our feelings. We need to be true to ourselves. Carpe diem. We need to live for the emotions and your emotions and your feelings start to become everything. Don't think of romanticism as love, lovey-dovey, Valentine's Day stuff. Think of it. I need to be true to my inner self and I need to be true to my feelings. So over time, and Carl Truman does a good job of noting this in The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, over time, romanticism led to not only us living out our feelings, but now expecting other people to accept those feelings. And any critique of what we want to do is not only seen as wrong, but dangerous. That is expressive individualism if you're studying philosophy, that when you get to the point of saying, not only do I feel this, but I want you to accept it, that is expressive individualism. So practically, then what happens is if you critique my feelings, not only do I disagree with you, but I see you as being dangerous. You're holding me back. You're hindering me from becoming who I should be. So the remedy, question mark, what's the remedy? I got to get rid of you and I have to get rid of people like you in my life to become the best me I can become. If this isn't the plot of every Disney movie, I don't know what is. Every Pixar movie has something to do with the 13-year-old kid knowing better than all of their family to go find themselves. So they cross the ocean, they go back to their ancestors, and then they prove to their family how they were right all along. Uh, They reject their family's wisdom and guidance and see them as dangerous, i.e. Moana, i.e. Coco. So when you think of the message of our modern culture, it is one that is not only live out your feelings, but don't listen to people that reject those feelings or disagree with them. Marginalize them. Do what you're going to do anyways. Well, what Rousseau said is man is born free, but everywhere is in chains. Man is born free everywhere is in chains. What does that mean? You have innate goodness, and yet your society and your culture is locking you up. Well, why does your adult child have a proclivity to cancel you to begin with? Why is that even a thing? Because when you think as an adult child that you have innate goodness, that you have the right answers, then over time, what can take place is you say, you know what? Mom, dad, I'm sick of you telling me that you disagree with my lifestyle. I'm just going to cut you out of my life altogether so I can follow this track 
that I myself have determined to be the right track in life. So the reality is not necessarily that they're looking at this lens through anything other than you are starting to become dangerous and you're holding me back. I'm born free. You are the chains. Oh, man, that's a really difficult place to be in as a parent. Again, I'll address in future episodes, and some of this we addressed when we talked through boundaries in the biblical critique and thinking through boundaries biblically, uh, but I will address in future episodes. Look, there may be a parent who is doing illegal, illegal things, excuse me. There may be a parent who is verbally abusive and yelling at your kids. Uh, there are those types of parents that are out there for sure. But still, then you're limiting the access that you have with them because Ephesians 6 is an ongoing command to honor. And in that command to children, there is never a point in your life where you are given the the allowance to dishonor and ignore. In fact, 1 Timothy 5 says that children have a duty to care for their parents, to make some return. So that's why certain widows are not enlisted into the church's widow care program because their children should take care of them. So the cancel culture ignores the ongoing responsibility to honor your parents. And the cancel culture ignores the fact that I am to ensure that my parents are provided for. Now, I'm not saying they need to move into my house, but I am saying that I'm going to do my best to help them find a suitable place for living if they need that. I am saying that I'm going to honor them and and yes, probably not obey them if they're being difficult. But in the end, I still have that responsibility. So cancel culture, you have to hear that. So I am aware that there are not great parents out there, but there is also not great adult kids out there that write off loving and gracious parents simply on the basis of them not supporting your lifestyle choices. And that's a pretty lame thing to do. You have a person that disagrees with you, so you cut them out of your life. So now the parent is stuck. You've just thrown this tar on them and said, you're toxic. I don't want you in my life. You're toxic. I don't want you around my kids. And it's like, how do I prove to you I'm not toxic? No, I'm not toxic. Okay, see, there you are showing me that you are toxic. Well, I'm not toxic. Oh, you don't even see how toxic you are. You know, there's, no, there's no defending character assassination on that. So I think the balance is going to be from James chapter 3. And what we'll do is let's take a break. And when we come back, James chapter 3 is going to show us that your conduct shows your wisdom. And if you really are a toxic person, yeah, that will come out in your conduct over time. But if you really are a gracious and wise person as an adult, a parent of an adult child, then that will also come out over time. So let's take a short break. We'll be right back. All right. Well, we're going to take this break. As Dr. Gifford said, we'll be back to him in just a moment as he continues to talk about being canceled by your kids. And I know this is an incredibly painful subject for some parents. And I want to highlight a resource that we have in the Transform store that I think might be able to help provide some biblical wisdom on healing those broken relationships and looking at them in a little bit of a different way. And I'm talking about It's Not Fair by Wayne Mack. As, as timely counsel for parents who might be feeling the acute sting of estrangement. Look, pick up a copy of It's Not Fair at transform.org. It is biblically robust and it offers some compassionate and practical wisdom to help you navigate those waters. And you'll understand what I'm talking about as you begin to read It's Not Fair 
by Wayne Mack. Now, as you're there perusing transform.org where you're going to go to purchase It's Not Fair by Wayne Mack, I would also like to point you in the direction of becoming a gospel partner. That's right. If you are not already an ongoing monthly gospel partner, we would love to have you on board. And as a partner, your gifts allow us to create Transformed, Road Trip to Truth, Wretched Radio and TV. And, and, and if you've been listening for a while, you know we want to see lives transformed by the power of God's word, but we cannot do it without partners like you. So visit transform.org to find out exactly what it would look like in your life to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner. And also, might I add, if you're looking to get equipped to help others by becoming a biblical counselor yourself, well, let me commend you for that because our churches are in dire need of more biblical counselors and more biblical counseling ministries. And I would like to recommend to you an excellent introductory resource that you can find on our website at transform.org for aspiring biblical counselors would be Ken Sandy's The Peacemaker. In the book, Sandy talks about peacemakers breathing grace and seeking to be graceful towards others as God has been graceful towards us. And as you grow in your understanding of peacemaking, only from that position can you counsel others. And it's a resource that's on the bookshelf of every certified biblical counselor. You can find it at transformed.org. All right. Well, that's going to do it for me. We've got to get back to the second half of this show. I know Dr. Gifford has so much more biblical truth to share on this tough topic of parental estrangement when your children cancel you. This is Transformed. Welcome back to Transform. The world's definition of beauty is simply not found in the Bible. Instead, the Bible informs us that true beauty is defined not by this world, but by God Himself. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, thank you, Jimmy, for that. We have been talking about cancel culture and in particular relationships with adult children to their parents. James chapter three, the person that is wanting to assert themselves as wise and capable, James 3.13, this is what James says you need to do to discern if they really are that. So verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? This seems to be connected to verse one, that not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. In James's context, there are people that are asserting themselves as the expert. And as the expert, James says, well, how do you know if they really are the expert? Here's how you know. Verse 13, by his good conduct, let him show his work in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Just to be candid, If you really are a bad parent as your adult child is accusing you of being, then your conduct will demonstrate that. And part of that is going to be jealousy, selfish ambition that lead to disorder and chaos. Who do you want to be the wise and understanding person? Who is the wise and understanding person? Verse 17, wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The wisdom from above is peaceable and gentle, first of all. It's not divisive and argumentative. 
It's open to reason, which is the idea of yields to truth or teachable. If you've ever said you're teachable or the converse, you've told someone they're not teachable. That's you're not open to reason. You're not willing to yield to the truth. You, you think you know everything. That's not wisdom from above. A, a person who is truly wise is a teachable person. They're merciful. They're full of good fruits, good works. They're impartial and sincere. And verse 18 says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In their wake, there is not discord, chaos, and anarchy. In their wake, it's peace. When you drop a wise person into any context, what you'll find is that that wise person creates peace and unity. It's, you could be working at Costco, and this be true. You could be in one of the C-suite positions, and this be true. You drop a wise person into an environment, and what do they do? They sow peace, and then a harvest of righteousness and peace comes through that. Why do I bring this up? Because James is using this as a teaching point for those who are asserting themselves as really being wise and understanding. And instead of him saying, you know what, you tell everybody how wise you are and make sure they understand it. He says, let your conduct demonstrate it. Prove it. Prove it. Let your conduct show that you really are wise in your understanding. And what does wisdom from above look like? Verse 17 and 18. Open to reason, merciful, gentle. You know, here is the point when we're talking about cancel culture and estrangement from kids. If you have received one of those character assassinations of toxic, of a problem, you're unhealthy, you, you know, like you should not be a part of their life. I honestly think that you cannot defend yourself against character assassinations. But what can you do? You can demonstrate through your conduct that that is not true. Hear me out on this. If that is what's being accused of you, grandparents, and you're thinking, I have a two-year-old grandchild that I don't get to see, then hear me on this. How do you respond to that? You can't defend yourself because the more you defend yourself, the more you're going to be seen as part of the problem. All you can do right now at this season is to do your best to let your conduct demonstrate that those accusations are not true against you. The accusations of you being a person who's toxic will be undone by your good conduct, your meekness of wisdom, your mercy, your gentleness, your peacefulness. So if you are willing to let time unwind and let time critique the accusations that are made of you to hunker down in being a person who is godly and wise, then over time, the grandkids will actually notice that what mom and dad say about you and the way they interact with you are very different. And the way you interact with them is not divisive, toxic, hard-hearted, controlling, but rather you interact with them in the character traits of the wisdom that, that is noted from above. The young grandchildren won't be able to see it, unfortunately. But when they become teenagers, they'll see it for themselves. And Lord willing, you'll get to have more of a peer-to-peer and an adult relationship with them because they will see not from your words, but from your conduct that what mom and dad said about you is not true. So that leads to a practical next step then. In order for them to see this, I think you do your best to make yourself available to them if and when they are ready. Uh, What do I mean by that? If you let your mind default to, you know what, well, you don't want me around, so fine, I won't be around. I think you're losing, and I think that you're never going to have an opportunity to let your light shine before your grandkids and your kids. So if they say, we don't want to see you, and you say, fine, that's okay. Like, I raised you, and this is how you pay me back, fine, whatever. 
I think your heart is in the wrong spot. And I think you're never going to be able to demonstrate that those accusations are not true of you because they don't see you. They're not seeing otherwise. So I think you do keep pursuing and you're ready to relate. So you're not going to be invited to things for a while. But if and when they say, can you make it to this event? The answer is, absolutely, I can make it. I will cancel everything to make it to that event because I want to see you guys again. The answer is, I'm going to continue to send gifts to your family in the way that I did before because I'm still pursuing you. So guess what? When the grandkids' birthdays roll around, I know exactly when it is. I mail it in time for it to get there. I leave a loving and gracious note in there for the grandkids because I'm still pursuing them and I'm pursuing them in the same way that I did before. Nothing has changed for me. This is not the time to love bomb them and send them the pony. Grandma loves you. There's a new pony outside. Love bombs don't work and often those gifts are sent back anyways and seen as being coercive or manipulative. But whatever you would have done for them or whatever you've done for other grandkids, do that for this particular set of grandkids or this one grandchild so that you're continuing to show that you want a relationship, you're pursuing that, but you're not trying to be coercive with buying their love for you or manipulating them through awesome gifts. When you're doing this, just a sidebar, I was talking with a family one time and they would write a check and part of them writing a check was to see if it would get cashed. And I just said, hey, I don't know if you should do that because I think there's kind of a there's kind of like a tracking mechanism that you're sending along with this gift. I think rather the better posture is to just say, hey, I'm going to send you a gift card or I'm going to send you a money order with your name if I'm worried about it getting stolen in the mail or it's going to be digitized or take those security steps you need to, but don't send a tracking mechanism with it and whatever that looks like. Rather just say, I love you. Happy birthday. Here is the gift. Can't wait to see you again. Done. Now, if that is true, then that may be a year, that may be two years, that may be three years, but I'm not growing weary in that. I'm not going to let the hurt of being without my grandkids prevent me from continuing to initiate with my grandkids because the grandkids over time will say, well, hey, you never sent me anything. You never followed up with me. You never called me. You never sent a Christmas gift. And you're going to think, well, yeah, because your mom told me not to. That's why I'm saying continue to pursue so the grandkids will see your godly conduct over time. Last couple of things to consider in this. There is a hurt that comes with not seeing your grandchildren. And I think you just be candid about that. Identify the ways that it hurts and the ways that it's affecting you. And then go to the scripture and say, oh, Lord, what would you have me to do with this? It's like a loss, but yet not a loss. It's grief, but it's almost like not grief. When you think through, I don't know if I'm going to get to see them again or if this is two years, that's a hard thing to put your finger on. But identify the way that that's affecting you and the hurt that that is taking its toll on you. And then what we'll do is say, how does God want me to respond to that? Is it grief? Is it loss? Is it sadness? Is it frustration? Is it anger? Is it a temptation to bitterness? Identify the way that that's impacting you personally and respond in a Christ-like and godly way to that. Don't let the hurt lead you to bitterness. Don't let the hurt lead you to being unfaithful to the Lord. So finally, consider this. When and if they say, Grandma, do you want to come over? It's so-and-so's fourth birthday. On that occasion, I am going to show up and I am going to be the most loving, kind, gracious, non-dramatic person in the history of the universe. I'm going to make that as enjoyable as it can be without being weird about it. So that... 
they're saying, well, that was actually quite pleasant. You know, mom brought dinner over, which blessed us. She dropped a couple of grocery bags off for us and then brought a present for grandbaby. That's great. We are understanding that if we get a door to begin to move back into the lives of our kids, we're going to graciously accept what they are offering. And we may not be best friends and we may not be as close as we once were, but we are thankful for the opportunity to continue to move into that relationship. So manage your own expectation as grandparents and parents of adults. If they say, can you grab coffee? You say, yep. And I'm not going into there with all these expectations that you're going to confide in me all the details that a best friend would confide in their best friend. I understand we may never have that same relationship again, but I do want to welcome any type of relationship that I can have with you. So hopefully these things have been helpful to you. I'm going to pray for those of you that are in this situation as we finish today, just for the hurt and that God would give you wisdom as you're working through how to respond to this. Lord, I do come to you and I know that there are those, this isn't theoretical, this is the pain that they have. And when they write that birthday card to their grandchild whom they haven't seen, I pray that you would allow them to depend on you and that they would look to you as their rock and refuge. And that over time, their godly character and conduct would speak for itself. And whatever is being told to the grandchild at home would be undone by the godly conduct and character of their grandparents. Lord, help us to all be individuals that persevere through false accusations and are willing to overcome evil committed against us with good, as your word tells us to do. We do that because we love you. We do that because we want you to be honored in our life and relationships around us to be strengthened. So help us do that while we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, of course, is transformed.org, and it is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends and church family. Also, would you prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? And until next time, go serve your king. 